Wait, we're recording. Hey, hey, everybody! Welcome to Little Wars. I'm uh, I'm Mongoose, and, uh, and I'm this is my co-host Jack. Jack. Yeah, uh, this is the official podcast of disliking the Tiger Tank because the Germans couldn't figure out how to do industrial standardization for their weapons equipment in the '40s. Uh, Jack, how you been? I'm great, and and this is the official podcast of ASMR, apparently. Oh yeah, we were just talking a little bit about that. It's pretty keno stuff. Go listen to some. It's pretty good. So, uh, ten out of ten, good content for when you're like, it's like two in the morning and you can't fall asleep because you're just worried about something random. You just go listen to some like chick from uh, from Europe talking a cute accent. Mm-hmm. And there are like mm-hmm. hundreds of them, so you don't even have to go back to the same one ever. You know, I, I've literally never done this. Never you, done this. Uh, uh, you seem like the kind of guy who doesn't like go to sleep. Uh, doesn't have problems going to sleep. I it's, mean, it's true. It's true. I well, actually, I do have problems going to sleep, but that's a that's that's a discussion for another day. Oof, oof. Yeah, it's just awful these days. Um. So yeah, uh, buddy, is still alive? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm doing pretty good. Every day, yeah. I. Uh, every every day, I wonder. You know. Am I alive in a in a simulation? Am I alive? Am I just an NPC in someone else's uh, in someone else's tabletop game? I mean that would that that would make me or one of our audience members one of the uh, players, I guess. If that's true, that's true. I don't want to think about being a player character because then I have to think about the fact that the person who's playing as me has made incredibly poor decisions. Mm. Or at least rolled really horribly. I, I get the I get the feeling they're like we're gonna make a fighter, but his two highest stats are going to be wisdom and dexterity. Oh, and uh, you're gonna say intelligence? <laughs> no, not no, probably not intelligence. Uh, you go to my Twitter. I'm good at intuiting things. I'm not good at uh, being smart, if you will. I'm not. I'm not what you would call a, a standout intellect. <laughs> I can memorize things like nobody's business though. Um but uh yeah, let's do that and then you know what we'll do? We will mm. um min-max him uh and uh we'll min-max him and uh we'll do some uh well we'll min-max him but we'll only min-max him for like knowing things, right? So and and then we'll just we'll just take a bunch of skills on knowing stuff about tanks for a war he won't fight in. In setting, I feel like I was designed. If I was a player character, I'd be designed for like the Second World War because my player read the setting materials wrong, and he's like, "Oh, there's this big war going on. I'll design my min maxim for it." And then instead, I just ended up here. Uh, this this reminds me of like this reminds me of like baby's first first uh character and you decide to do like an intelligence based fighter. Yeah, that's yeah, I I so no, I don't want to think about the fact that I'm a player character. I'd much rather be an NPC. I'm just some weird de- actually that straight I don't want to think about this at all. Stats. I don't like this meme at all. 
I tell Borzo I want to I want a refund. <laughs> I know. I want a refund on this meme. <laughs> Technically, I don't think he created it. I think I think he was just he was just there to see it. He was like blossom. the one who really popularized the inner monologue bit or inner dialogue bit part of it. Yeah, I think. and 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 I think I honestly think that he hates himself every single <laughs> every single day that it. That he sees some freaking NPC Wojak. I think Borzoi has a lot of conflict about his sort of role in the uh, the internet ecology he's part of. Uh, at least that's mm. the sense I get. Um, I have very little conflict. Largely because I haven't really uh, ruined anything yet, I, can, I, I don't think. Uh, speaking of things that went bad, um, we were going to have a cool guest today for you guys, but uh, unfortunately... Some stuff came up, and uh, tragically, he had to bail. Uh, yeah, too bad. I was, uh, I was, I was, I was really, uh, I was really interested in hearing what he what he thought about uh, playing. Uh, what is it? Playing games in twelfth century German Germany or something that to that extent is somewhat. I mean. We were talking about uh he's a he's he's I don't know I'm, I'm I uh I've been uh, running my game recently uh and that's that's been going pretty good. Uh Oh yeah, tell me about that. Um so the party rolls up and we are actually adding two players this week. So I'm going to have eight players uh because I have no idea what I'm doing. Um and we got here here we got great party comp. So far we have two rangers, two fighters, a bard and a cleric. Hmm. And I think we're getting ready for either a rogue or a fighter. And I think we're going to get a paladin. You got to start throwing some uh, damage out there. They're going to be able to heal quite a bit. Yeah, I got some good good stuff planned. Uh I'm going to I'm going to give them a little bit of a this will come out actually after we'll have done our session cuz I'm basically just recording this going straight to the session. Uh this is going to be pretty fun. Um Excuse me. Uh, that the um. So I'm gonna. I'm, I've got some stuff planned. I'm gonna do a little bit more of a classic dungeon crawl, if you will. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's What's classic about it? Uh, it's a dungeon, and it's made of stone, <laughs> and it's some ruins kind of thing. That's That's the classic dungeon crawl. I mean, it's not as classic as there's a princess at the end of the dungeon and there's a dragon. Uh, that comes later. Maybe. I may. Uh, so. But, but, oh, but you have to give your player characters a little bit of, you know, a little, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, come, come, you know. Come get this! Uh, come get this prize, though, right? Why? Why are you going through this dungeon? Well, they're going to be. They're try. They're 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 already trying to get from point A to point B, and uh, it, you don't have to make them do anything. If if you want them to explore a dungeon, people will naturally explore a dungeon if they get put in one. The way you do that is while they're traveling, you just hit them with like a storm. You're like, oh shit! You got to take shelter, guys. Oh hey, look, a cave. Oh no, the cave is part of a dungeon complex. Look at that. Isn't this of- interesting? Yeah. Hmm. There are these cool, big, locked doors. What could be <laughs> behind them? <laughs> um, 
players are actually very easy to lead by the nose in a lot of a lot of cases. Um, you just kind of got to know. Um, now these guys are basically very cooperative because they 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 don't want to like. Some of them I think are kind of scared of ruining the game, uh, which which is funny, which I find funny because. I have had several problem players in groups, and every time I get better and better at a sort of dealing with them. Um, I don't really think there's a whole, whole lot these guys could do to really uh, screw with me. Yeah, I've I've noticed that there's at least one player that that will uh, that will almost consistently try to to uh, screw up whatever you've actually got planned for the evening. You know. I don't have that right now, which I'm lucky to have. Um, but the, oftentimes there will be, um, and that guy, that Ooh. guy will. I mean, you you can say that. That guy. Oh uh, yeah, Talk about that guy. Epic fortune meme. Whoa! No, um, that is actually <laughs> a very good meme. Uh, insofar as it actually does describe a sort of personality type that plays these games. And those people, um, generally the way you deal with them, uh, the, the way you would deal with somebody like that is you generally just kind of, um, you'll let them go for a little while and eventually they'll just do something stupid and get themselves killed. You just kind of have to have, you got to have enough stones or cojones to let your players kind of reap what they sow. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and and you have to you you also have to uh, you also have to make sure that uh, that you pay attention to what they are what their what their vices are. I guess like like with com- compliant characters or players, I've noticed that you know they will they will generally speaking that's that's generally speaking the like the like good side of the alignment. Like they'll try to they'll try to go along with things, you know. But but with players who constantly buck trends that you try to set, you know, you, uh, that's almost like you, you have to, you have to understand that somebody doing that may be trying to tempt the fate of God or gods. Right. So perhaps you can get you. So, so perhaps you can, you can do a little bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Divine uh, retribution. There you go. There you go. Karma? But, but, but very, but very specific karma for what they're trying to do to your game. That's that's the way I've always tried to play it. I, I think a lot of times they'll just do something absolutely like just stupid, and which which is like you got to think about the easiest way to deal with the problem player is just sort of let them let the world react to them in a, in a realistic manner. If you're a violent sociopath who threatens people to get what he wants, people are going to treat you like that. They might charge you more. When you go to buy things, they might even not choose not to serve you. They may call guards on you when you do things. That kind of thing. Oh, it's yeah. that guy. We don't want that. We don't. Oh, it's 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 uh, Chungo the Greater. We don't want Chungo the Greater at our uh, in our inn. He's a he's just a horrible dude. Um, you go sleep somewhere else, and you know some guys like well, we've got a stable out back. Ouch. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully the rest of the group will auto-correct his behavior. I mean, that, the other thing is, like, if if he continues under personal sort of, uh, if he continues under personal sort of uh, problems, he'll uh, 
he'll get he'll you know his friends the people around him uh will sort of garner problems themselves uh and it will um you know they people may uh may not like his friends Yeah, so you have to you have to uh, make sure that that is reflected in the game, right? Uh, the, the, you don't want to be the guy. Um, oh, hello. Uh, oh. I, I'm I'm just gonna text text something real with somebody. So if you're friends with the dude who's just like kind of a, a kind of a, a, a dillweed, shall we say? making people's lives difficult. People aren't going to want to be around you because if you, you know, a man is a, a man is the company he keeps. So if you're keeping the company, so what you can do is if, if you aren't, it's, it's like how they punish people in the military. They'll, uh, if, if punishing you doesn't work, they'll punish your entire unit and then let mm-hmm. them sort it. Cause players will actually feel more comfortable if they feel they're inconvenienced by the actions of a player. Uh, and they, they, it's made clear to them that that's how it works. Um. Uh. The um. The, so if you're if you're friends with a guy, so like, in the military, everybody who, if you, if your personal punishments don't work, they'll collectively punish. And players are more willing. Sorry, I just lost track of that thought temporarily. Players are more willing to sort of hurt other players who've inconvenienced them than they are to uh, than they are to act than the DM is a lot of times. That if you're having trouble set up scenario, a player will actually, for a very small perceived slight, if they perceive the wrong thing to to have caused it, they will they will like they might even just straight up like figure a way conspire to kill the guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I and I always I always try to. Uh encourage player v player animosity in my games because i feel like it gives a little bit more depth but uh i also i let I also the players f- hash that out themselves there's always going to be two or three people that don't get along um but right. if you do have a problem with somebody feed them to your players mm, yes yes feed them feed them to the player player hobo killers that's always yeah um feeding murder hobos to one another is my hobby <laughs> uh yes 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 so yeah i've uh i've been pretty uh i've been pretty low-key this week uh i'm just starting a new job so i'm kind of in between jobs right now Doxed. so yeah exactly <laughs> Exactly. So I've I I I've, I've, I wouldn't say that I've had a uh, ongoing uh, job drama or anything like that, but it's been it's been pretty smooth lately. So I've just been I've just been a little bit busy with that, but I have started to get to painting a few of my Death Watch models, in particular uh, a few of the larger ones like the Rhino and the uh, and the Drop Pod. I've always I've always kind of liked the drop pod as far as the Marines go because drop pod is pretty I, cool. Yeah, because I mean you know it's it, it fits their aesthetic very well, despite the fact that this edition doesn't really do it much much justice. But uh, but I've I've always I've always liked the idea of the drop pod as being as being a very flavorful part 
of uh, of the Marines. So, and I'm gonna paint it uh, gonna paint it black and red with uh, inquisitorial eyes all over the place. So, yeah, it's gonna be pretty nice. It's gonna be good. I um. I started, I started basing some uh, Panzer Grenadiers for the mid-war. It's going to be pretty rad. Mm. These guys throw grenades, correct? Uh, so the term Grenadier has a... Uh, uh, the, the term Grenadier was actually awarded by Hitler himself. Uh the uh the, it was sort of a specialized term to honor their bravery after 1939ish or 1941ish so before that they were called infanterie or schutze meaning infantry and rifles or riflemen respectively interesting okay so you're painting those then uh yes i'm painting those they're they're kind of more like generic german infantry uh and um the the classic uh the classic um they're they're basically the difference between panzer grenadiers and like normal grenadiers in flames of war is uh is uh is that basically the uh something like specialization a kind of basically grenadier panzer grenadiers ride in uh some form of truck and normal grenadiers walk around on foot. Gepanzerte, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, or Gepanzerte. Uh, so they're, so they're, are armored. they're mechanized. They're, yeah, they're, they're armored mechanized, so they ride around in half tracks. But the other major difference is that commonly panzer grenadiers would have uh, one MG34 or one MG42 per fire team as opposed to just one per squad, which in Flames of War means they're not rifle mg teams they're just machine gun teams this and because is, they're called they're they're called panzer grenadiers so so would they be would they be attached to like a panzer division uh that it really depends so so the way that works is the infantry and panzer divisions were generally car, transported by trucks or half tracks or both so those would be generally panzer grenadiers in the panzer divisions um but they also had separate mechanized divisions that were entirely uh they were entirely based on just grenadiers mm-hmm. um or sorry panzer grenadiers that were that were basically just entirely mechanized divisions so if you uh if you look up um there were several just straight uh also some of the uh, foreign ss divisions the 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 netherlands division uh, notably, was were were just Panzer Grenadier divisions. They 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 had tank regiments, but they were mostly mechanized infantry. Hmm. Yeah, I've 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 always I've always considered mechanized infantry to be uh to be pretty pretty cool. In Flames of War, if you're like looking to to learn the game and you want to get good at it, you play you play half track infantry. That because ever because half track infantry are very complicated and they have most of the rules contained within their armies, and they take a lot more tactical poise than say an infantry army or a tank army, and the they'll, they'll teach you the intricacies of both because you learn armor maneuvering and infantry placement and all that good stuff. So uh, actually, I play a lot of um, I actually play a lot of heavy armored Panzer Grenadiers 
myself with all the half tracks is my is normally what I play in Germans. Americans, I just play infantry spam with some Shermans mm-hmm. or or some M10s. M10s are fun too. Which is pretty much just what Patton played, right? Infantry spam with Shermans. No, uh, Patton was a uh, armored division commander who I believe by the end of his career was a commanding a grouping. But for the most part, he was in command of uh, units of mechanized infantry and uh, tanks. Very little actual rote infantry. Oh. The Americans did not actually have mechanized infantry that relied on trucks. American infantry would be transported in trucks, but there was never a point in the war where the Americans didn't have tracked vehicles for all of their mechanized units, unlike the Brits, the Germans, and the Soviets. Yeah, I was was just about to ask that. I mean, didn't they... What, weren't they pretty much just foot sloggers? Didn't they? Didn't most of their infantry just you know march from wherever uh, they needed to go to? I mean, I mean, obviously, except you know if you're if you're transporting large numbers of troops. Are you? Which army are you talking about? The Americans. Um, American infantry oftentimes would have regiments of deuce and a halfs seconded to divisions, and as you would need to move a regiment of infantry or a company of infantry, units of deuce and a half would be deployed and seconded to them to move them. Um, and sometimes these these transport units would be duck trucks, those those amphibious trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, those would also be deployed with the, uh, with the companies themselves. So, um, or, or be seconded to regiments uh, in cases where you need to do amphibious water crossings and such. But the American army had access to so many trucks that they could just truck their infantry wherever they wanted if they weren't, like, you know, using trains to transport them, for the most part. Uh, although they, they, were, they were oftentimes forced to walk. Uh, short, um, this is more in the case of if you're doing an infantry assault, it's a general bad idea to put all your infantry in trucks and try to drive them point A to point B, because then you've got like 20 dudes and a single target that you can hit with a high explosive shell, just kill everybody, you know? Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, I I agree with that, which is why which is why mechanized infantry with uh, with support is usually my go-to. You don't you don't want to you don't want to get your your transport with all your troops caught out with their proverbial uh, dicks flying in the wind. Well, gen- generally speaking, the way the way the theory went was that you would use a massed infantry attack to break open the uh, the enemy lines, and then the tanks would uh, follow through with that, and then attack whatever be used to sort of exploit the uh, breakthrough and kind of kill anything behind that. And uh, any ground the tanks took would be uh, sort of, they'd be followed closely by mechanized infantry who would um, basically sit wherever the tanks had just gone through and defend the areas because they could move faster than regular infantry. Then once you were finished with the offensive, you would withdraw the sort of tank division and move an infantry division in the place, kind of simultaneously have the infantry dig in and prepare for your next attack. That's how the theory went. Oftentimes, a lot of lot of stuff was happening at all the time, so you would have cases where an allied tank assault would meet an, an enemy tank assault, and there would actually be two tank assaults fighting each other. Or um, uh, some interesting cases where an infantry assault isn't enough to break through something, so you actually have to support the infantry with tanks in the assault. Or uh, it, it eventually sort of... It, also, the infantry unit would have its own integrated regiments of tanks within infantry divisions uh, in most armies, 
or assault guns or regiments from tank divisions would be seconded to them. So there would be infantry support vehicles to deal with bunkers, tanks, and other things as they came across them. Yeah, you know, I I, I sometimes read a lot about, uh, especially in, in K uh, threads, about about military tactics and things. And one thing that's always stuck out to me is the combined armed arms detachment. About how about how like like that was really like one of the biggest, uh, uh, I guess. Um, inventions or or uh, developments I through s- world war one and world war two were the combined arms i wouldn't say it's m- more combined arms as much as it's just sort of more developed as more types as technology advanced you gained a larger amount of different things you could fight with you you got things like tank destroyers bogeyed cannons artillery machine guns self-propelled machine guns all like on like jeeps and stuff you had all these sorts of weird new technologies and you had to figure out how do they fit together into a sort of cohesive coordinated unit so one of the things that uh that that we kind of learned in the Second World War is you can't really use mass artillery to kill a ton of tanks unless you're willing to devote an absolute crap ton of resources to it. Um, tanks are pretty generally pretty resilient to artillery attacks uh, on the whole. Um, notable cases uh, excluded. Um, you have to have dedicated anti-tank guns to kill tanks or tanks to kill tanks. Uh so so you kind of it was kind of a matter of figuring out what sort of worked together. One thing that's often overstated in terms of its effectiveness was actually airstrikes. Close air support really only really its point was sort of uh kind of a lot of made a lot of noise and it was more of a morale weapon than anything. If well, yeah, it was, it was it it's almost like a flag, right? You see your 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 planes up in the air, and you realize that you control the skies. So, well, that's part of it. But think of it this way: if if like you're Tommy sitting in a in a in a shell scrape, right? You've got a you've got a dinner plate for a hat, and uh, you're wearing the world's most god off second most god awful shade of brown, and you've got your smelly rifle, and you're just sitting there. Your bayonet is a little pointy stick thing. And, you know, things have been pretty miserable. You miss your tea. You miss your home. Your ceramic standard-issue mug broke a week back. It was pretty awful. Things are just bad. And then you see a typhoon fly over and just, like, unleash just 18 rockets. Just go... Well, it's actually more like 12. So it's just... You hear a lot of whizzing, and there's a lot of explosions. And and it's really loud, and it, like, you know, it, it's really impressive, and it's hitting the enemy, and it's your your plane... That that uh, you're uh, you're moralized and you feel more comfortable with like wow they just got freaking creamed now I can go mop them up we're gonna give them a good licking. If you're on the other side and you you just see that happen like to the trench next to you, it's not a, a saturation rockets on the whole aren't actually very effective at killing infantry. Um, <laughs> they weren't. Interesting. Uh, see because 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 I always got the got the uh, impression that if you control the skies. Uh, that you could do that. You could just rain death down on the enemy whenever you felt like it. Close air support in World War II was actually overstated. It was the the idea the, the controlling the skies was more valuable because you could bomb enemy supply lines and you could attack things like trains and things like supply wagons that weren't armored. But the troops didn't see that. Close air support is a really just a morale booster. 
Interesting. Now, nowadays, we've developed a lot. Our ordnance has developed to the point where we have fuses that can explode over the top. Well, we had just developed an artillery fuse in 1944 that exploded over the ground. That was when we were first deploying, and it didn't explode when it hit the ground. It was timed. Uh, the um, we've got uh, we've got our weapons to the point now where our airstrikes are significantly better off now than they were in the in the olden days. But it was really more of a morale thing than anything. Hmm. So that's that's why you would that's why you would bring a, uh, a ground attack fighter to a tank fight. Interesting. Yeah, and and I I had kind of assumed that that close close uh, air support would pr- would pretty much uh, counter tanks, or at least or at least allow them to to pelt the tanks. You know, pretty. Uh, it makes the t- it, it, it works the same way artillery does. It's not necessarily going to kill a ton of things, but it's going to prevent them from moving. It pins them down. Mm. Uh, and oftentimes, okay, restricting your opponent's more mo- movement is oftentimes almost, or if not more so, valuable than uh, actually killing him. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's especially on the tabletop. Uh, actually, know, just, that is to... one of the funny funny things about Flames of War, is that airplanes don't actually kill a whole lot. It's very rare that they do, but really? the, the risk that they will do it, and the fact that they can kill anything anywhere... And they're actually like fairly resistant to anti-aircraft fire, makes them a constant risk that your opponent avoids uh, factoring into his plans at his peril. And you can kind of control how your opponent spreads out his stuff and how he approaches his gameplay with that uh, with that sort of omnipresent random threat. That is a uh, that that is the value of the air- the airplane's value is actually the same value the King Tiger has. It's a psychological weapon. Yeah, and I wish I wish more uh, systems did that kind of thing. Like, like because you know, because everything, everything in my army at least seems to have some sort of like, you know, there, there, it, it seems to have like like ups and downs. It's never just like just a psychological weapon, you know, or just forces the opponent to not move somewhere, you know. Well, there, there con- are control- there, if there's con- something. Con- that's, controlling the ground is a lot. I, I, I'd, I'd really like to be able to like control area rather than just you know. There are a lot of aerial deni- area denial weapons, especially for tanks and flames of war. Um, mm-hmm. one, 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 one thing to one thing to think about it is that so suppose you have a uh, um, one thing that, that's often useful is long range anti tank weaponry. It isn't actually all that mobile, and it has very few shots. Uh, one one th- uh, another good qu- thing is the King Tiger, right? How many? Okay, so op because because the King Tiger was basically an anti tank tank, right? It was basically a big heavy tank with a big old gun on it. And it was built to just be yeah. a, the, the biggest heaviest tank they could build. In practicality, it transmission broke a lot. It broke down. It was awful. In in practice, though, what you use it for in the game. Is so uh, uh, more often than not, your average roll to hit is going to be a five up or a four up in flames because of range, cover, etc. Um, mm-hmm. Most things you're, you're not going to get when things say they're hit on a three up. You're normally not going to be hitting those on a three up. They're going to be in cover or gone to ground or something. So you're going to be hitting them on a four. Uh, an average game is about eight turns. So assuming you're hitting about half of what you're uh, shooting at, 
with your two shots that you have if you don't move. So this is assuming you're not moving and you have something to shoot at every turn uh, and you're killing everything you hit, but you're assuming you're only hitting half your shots. You can only kill a maximum of eight tanks a game with the King Tiger. Oh, only eight tanks. Okay. Yeah, but when you when you <laughs> well, keep in mind, Flames of War is a game where you know seeing ten tanks on the battlefield isn't uncommon. Seeing twenty is is actually not super uncommon either. Um, you, you'll see a tankless. You know, in forty k, eight tanks is pretty big for a tankless. In Flames, that's pretty small. Not my not my uh, not my games of forty k. Jesus, I have I have I have nightmares of lemons rolling. Uh, well, the, well, how many Lehman my... Russes is he is he running? He runs eight Lehman Russes, a bane, a shadow sword, and two basilisks, along with two uh, squads of stormtroopers and chimeras, which are also tanks. Okay, yeah, I would. Um, that is, you would see a lot more than that in a Flames of War game for a comparably hordy army. Uh, like like confident trained Americans would be running something like maybe close to fifteen tanks, uh, then maybe a unit of tank destroyers and a couple armored rifle platoons if they're not running self propelled artillery. Yeah, and in in forty k at least the uh, the system had a had a pretty good uh, system for area denial called uh, called difficult terrain or dangerous terrain. Most and games have something that limits two movement, though. Yeah, and and in Horus Heresy, I noticed that they that they added a ton of ways to make to make a specific area dangerous terrain, right? Like like you throw an incendiary bomb, and that area is now dangerous terrain. And if you move through it, you could you could if you roll. Uh, not just not just like horribly bad, but just like semi bad. You could theoretically get a wound or two on your uh, on your dudes. So I don't know. I, I think I, th- I think that's I think that uh, stuff like that makes the game much better. In general, long range, highly deadly weapons with low rates of fire uh, discourage sightline peeking, and that's how you deny areas in Flames of War. Uh, besides the fact that like certain things just don't move into forests like tanks, it's a bad idea to move your tanks into a forest unless you're absolutely taking a massive risk. So I used some Panzer IVs to kill some kill an entire platoon of three IS twos one time. I took a very very big gamble in hiding them in some woods. Now you you think that you think that moving them into the woods is a, is is a bad idea, but just keeping them in the woods and firing out of the woods. No, because see the thing about it is the woods drastically limit how far you can see in Flames of War. So in order to kill things, you actually have to move them back out of the woods. But because there it's like a it's a positive or negative, you have to roll above a certain roll uh, for any given tank to move it out of the woods. It's kind of a toss-up as to whether or not you're going to get all your firepower out of the woods, effectively. Okay. So that it was, it was kind of a massive gamble. It paid off. Uh, when you cream, when you break in an opponent's IS-2 platoon, if they're playing Soviets, they're, they're not going to be feeling too good after that. Because uh, IS-2s are a pretty intensive in points investment in a single unit for Soviets, especially. Yeah, I tend to, I tend to also have a... I don't. I don't know. It, that, that's that's one of the the fun things about playing these kinds of games is they uh, is you have a uh, hi, the high risk high reward types of situations are usually uh, very 
very fun if you can pull it off. If you can't pull it off, well then, well then it's just a fun story that you have now. Yeah, I um, I I generally speaking, you want to win by Mac or. <laughs> We've already been over this. Yeah, the risk and reward is a lot of fun. I like it because I like calculating probabilities. <laughs> yeah, I had a uh, I had a situation back in seventh edition where I had loaded up my chapter master and his command squad into a drop pod, and uh, and they were coming in hot. And this was this was back when your drop pods scattered, and if they scattered off the board, it's very possible that you could roll badly and uh, and have the entire squad just wiped out, right? Oh yeah, that that happens. That rarely happened though. Yeah, it rarely happened, but it still happened, and it happened to me once. I lost my chapter master along with his entire retinue. That was something like five hundred, six hundred points. I just lost. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty. It was. It was pretty. It was pretty. It was pretty funny. I was like. I was like. You know. I. I. I only have like a one out of ten chance of this happening, and it happened. So. You know. It was, it was great. It was great. Another time, I dropped in a ironclad dreadnought behind another dreadnought, and this was also in seventh edition. So you could easily, you could easily make something explode. Uh, if you were very close to it with a melta gun, and uh, ironclads have a have an underslung melta gun, and I exited the drop pod, and I couldn't charge because that, those were the rules. You can't charge once you deep strike, and I just lit up his uh, dreadnought fr- uh, from rear armor, <laughs> and I popped his dreadnought. Oh yes, funny. those were the days when dreadnoughts had like ten rear armor, and you could just kill it with. Mast. Yeah. You could yeah, you could that, theoretically kill a dreadnought with mast bolter fire in that edition. Mm-hmm. Oh was, yeah, you uh, could. I mean, I mean that was that was a tactic for orcs because orcs had uh, had strength five attacks, or not strength five, strength four attacks. So so you just you just mass assault a tank and punch it to death. Oh, uh, the demonettes were actually a very good anti tank unit back then because every six they got they added a d three to their uh, penetration roll. Uh, yeah, the ex- exploding attacks. Yeah. Rending, the rending. Ah, yes, I, I hit you better, so I penetrate you more. So demonettes could actually be deep struck in and then used to slaughter Lehman Russes. <laughs> I, I, that uh, happened to the days. Night Commander Pask for me once, and I was very, very miffed. Yeah. I will say yeah. that Warhammer is a lot a lot less fun when you're the guy in the play group that has the least amount of money to spend on miniatures. Yeah, I can so I you can can't, agree with you that. can't really uh you can't really respond to what your buddies are doing as effectively. Flames of War generally whatever you kind of build it's going to have its own built-in counters. So you don't have to spend as much. You don't need to worry about hard counters so much. That's what I like about the game. It's cheaper, but each their own. Yep. Yep. I might I might actually get a game of Horse Heresy in here pretty soon. I got I got a fr- I got a friend from work that plays. So maybe maybe I will soon have Egyptians a battle report. And they're being heretical. Yeah. What is it? I said you got ancient Egyptians and they're being heretical. That's right. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can get a game of Flames of War in this weekend. If I can't, I can't. It's been a while since I've played, which is kind of unfortunate, but I'll uh, I'll I'll play it again. Until then, I'm basically just role-playing game gang. Uh, speaking of role-playing game gang, 
Hmm. You had something you wanted to say about role-playing game gang? Yes. So if if nobody knows about this, this is uh, this is something that I've been following ever since 2013 when it uh, started up on TG on 4chan. It's the unofficial Elder Scrolls RPG. And uh, I believe this was started right around the, the release of uh, Skyrim and uh, the, Wait, the re- pre-order it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's why it's unofficial is that it's uh it's free for uh it's free for everybody. They basically use free? they basically free. Yes, they free. No uh no uh no no special editions here. No no uncomfortable porn mods. Free? And uh and 100% 100% free. to see during this i want to see everybody saluting <laughs> you better who's, not stop clapping <laughs> yeah better not stop clapping who's that guy that guy stopped clapping ah oh, jeez. yeah off off to gulag uh 100, yeah. 100 years gulag for you uh don't don't tell eric striker <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um uh, this this yeah this is, they did free 100 percent uh, um, we on Little Wars are big endorsers of anything you can get for free. Uh, anything you can play or get for free is great. Um, I hundred uh, percent endorse free things. Um, I endorse giving things away for free as gifts to people around you. If you have uh, like miniatures left over and you got a buddy who's trying to get in the game, give them to him for free uh, or at a low cost. Uh, subsidizing your friends into the hobby is a good way to get a reliable person to play the game with. Uh, also, anybody who's looking to get into Flames of War, I have 100 British Peter infantry. Hit me up. Uh, <laughs> straight. Like, I have 100 British riflemen I'm never going to use. It pewter? Pewter, yes. Jeez. Okay. 100 scale. Uh, you'll have to find bases for them, but bases aren't expensive. Uh, they all got Sten guns and uh, smellies, and they've all got, and some of them got the sword bayonets on there. There's some really good poses in there, but I already have like close to 155 painted and assembled just regular British infantry, uh, not including er, that is so, including mortars and um, pioneers. Uh, if I threw in um, special weapons, I'm edging on 200, one 100 scale little Anglo's. So little, little angles are, are are some of them are some of them doing the uh the Anglo martial arts. Uh no, we don't have any uh, Defendu guys in there. Defendu, that's what it's called. We don't okay. have any Defendu in um in Flames of War yet. Defendu, uh, look it up. Yeah, look you should up, look Defendu. it up. Defendu is a uh, ancient and by ancient I mean 70-year-old British martial art that actually makes no sense whatsoever. Um <laughs> by practical by practical modern standards, but it won the war, so uh Look it up. It's it's the, the the manuals are available again for free PDF format online, and there's no reason why you shouldn't go in there. And just like weird DeviantArt uh, DeviantArt comics, uh, Defendu is very croppable for excellent reaction images. Why do you why do you always do this? You always you always get me off track. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about. Uh, about Skyrim, which is a game. Ooh, Skyrim! No, it's the Elder Scrolls. Okay, the Elder, it's the Elder, the Elder Scrolls. Scrolls. It's not. Oh, okay, excuse it's me. Not excuse Skyrim. me it's not Skyrim. Todd Howard. Oh <laughs> well, my, unlike. Oh my gosh, I love Skyrim. D and D is just like Skyrim. 
unlike Todd Howard, you can actually climb this mountain because it's an RPG. So you can climb all the mountains theoretically. That theoretically, could be that could be your end game. That depends on how what what kind of a mood your game master's in. Right. So this 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 RPG started out as a uh, dark heresy uh, mod. It, it was it was the, essentially the first edition was ported from Dark Heresy, so that means it's a D one hundred game. Yeah, Dark Heresy's system is actually inherently one of the best systems ever created, and I will be honest here, it is. it's one also one of the most difficult to mod. It was, and I remember being in those threads and uh, and and trying to, because because it was just a lot of a lot of write up. I mean, you 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 needed to know a lot of the lore and a lot of the. Uh, and, a lo- and a lot of all of that, and the first edition has some relatively broken things in it because of the because of the unwieldiness of Dark Heresy. You need to be able to uh, balance things correctly. If you uh, don't, if you don't kind of have a good grasp of Dark Heresy, and you try modding it, you're going to destroy the game. Yeah, but I think I think they did a pretty good job. And and when I remember the unofficial Elder Scrolls RPG, they had taken a break from it. And I see that they're back online with a third edition uh, that set who was who was the original person who uh, who led the the mod back in the day said that they were no longer working on it. But it looks it looks a little bit more trimmed down than Dark Heresy. Uh, I, I kind of skimmed through it a little bit. I'm probably going to be going into it further. I'm going to see if I can get a game going with uh, with this. But yeah, no, I mean like. And and if you if you want to know more about the Elder Scrolls lore, it's actually there's actually some deep lore deep lore for the Elder Scrolls on uh, Imperial Library info. That's where Michael Kirkbride posts and his waifu. They both they both run the uh, the website, and Michael Kirkbride is actually the contractor who works with Bethesda. He's not actually a an employee of Bethesda, but he's a contractor that works with Bethesda, and uh, and he he basically makes sure that the lore is uh, the lore the lore matches up with everything that goes on in the game. How do I get a job contracting for a multinational <laughs> Bugman Corporation writing lore? Well, let me tell you how you get a job. What you do is you hey, if anybody you, listening you works for an international Bugman Corporation and needs somebody to write yeah. lore. Uh, I'm I'm here, buddy. <laughs> well, well, you know, you know how Michael Kirkbride uh, created all the backstory for Morrowind, which is which is the first game that really was he, he... making a Dungeons and Dragons game? No, no. What he did was he locked himself in a room all weekend. They uh, he was he was instructed they needed to come up with like you know some some background you know aesthetic for what's happening in Morrowind. So he locked himself in a room in their office all weekend, and possibly illicit drugs were involved. I'm not sure. Very unconfirmed reports. But when everybody came back in on Monday, uh, he he had like written reams of of material. It was it was almost like it was almost like uh, he was touched by a muse, and and all of the stuff flowed out of him. So uh, so yeah. And ever and ever since that weekend, we have the uh, we have Chim. Everyone knows about Chim. Uh, no, I don't. You don't know about Chim? Oof. No. Well, the thread just got derailed. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Lots of stuff. Chim's mostly a meme, 
but you know but it uh it kind of it kind of hooks into with a lot of the uh a lot of the backstory surrounding the elder scrolls have you have you played skyrim mongoose uh no i um uh, mm, uh let me let me actually go look through my steam game library i'll just read you off everything i own uh, Ace of Spades, Crusader Kings 2, I have never played it though. Darkest Dungeon, Day of Defeat Source, Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 8, Hearts of Iron 4, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, Panzer Medell's Tank Dating Simulator, Team Fortress 2, <laughs> Torchlight 2, uh, all of the first Dawn of War games and Warhammer 40k Space Marine. That's Wait, wait, are you are you kidding me? There's a there's a there's a tank girl dating game on steam yes and i bought it at full price <laughs> <laughs> i have to i have to look into this now i uh, i think as content we should just record ourselves playing the game um uh we would need like an uninitiated rando from somewhere to come on so if if, if one of you would like to come uh if some one of you would like to come sit here on Skype and and watch me screen share this game for you guys, that'd be uh that'd be okay. A better visual novel than Fate Stay Night. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, if you basically to uh to wrap this up, if you're looking for it, you just just search unofficial Elder Scrolls RPG and you'll you'll probably run into the one D four chan uh link. And the, they have uh, a link to the Google Doc on there, right? Right. I and don't recommend to- staying on one D four chan longer than you have to. Yeah, but it's a nice place to uh, to post things. They like- have some. They have some good aggregated information, and I will say their tactics pages on uh, on Warhammer and other games, if they have tactics pages for the game, are generally just copy paste the the best takes from the threads, just copy pasted on there. So if you're just looking for an aggregate source of good tactical data, you can go to those areas. But otherwise, for the most part, it's uh, it's gone downhill, shall we say? Uh, like a lot Pan- of things. Panzer medals. Panzer medals. Yes. Panzer medals. Okay. Yes. A high quality tank waifu dating simulator. <laughs> uh, oh my God. I will. I will say. Uh, in this version, uh, Sherman and Panzer IV are both best girl. Uh, Tiger being third best, then IS two, then T thirty four. It's a dang shame the uh, the Yandere had to be a Soviet tank, and that's really all I'm going to say about it. Uh huh. Okay. All right. I'm just I'm just watching the video. Just oh, you're watching. watching. You're watching the vi- you're watching the steam the steam video on that one is actually uh, what we would say uh, pretty pretty rad um, in terms of uh, intro ads for a video game that you should play. So the the Panzer is a blonde eyed or the Panzer is a blue eyed blonde haired cutie. Okay, the T thirty four is red eyed with pink hair. Yes, Lolly. It's awful. Lolly, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a Sundere lolly, the worst combo. The Tiger J is also blonde haired, blue eyed. The Tiger and One. Her hair is much longer. I don't, yes. and there's a little ribbon in her hair. I don't, I don't know if that's ribbon, the M4 Sherman. Yeah, brown hair, brown eyes. 
full of Maramut. Full, full of Maramut. <laughs> we've got we've got a full of Maramut here, folks. Yes. Uh, yes. It's a um, it's a very good, high quality video game right there. Um, engaging gameplay. Uh, inspiring encounters. Uh, oh, here's here's twisting the fate. Here- Here's the here's the Japanese waifu the uh, the what 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 was it the Tichi something or other uh Cho Hago Chiro there those are all Japanese tank names I'm pretty sure Yin Yang Ching Chong see the thing about the Japs is they they didn't name their tanks in a very good way so if I'm trying to figure out what a Japanese tank is it's it's very difficult to remember what they're all called you got the Hago the Hago Commander the Chiro the Chi I think that the Hachi or something like that. There, it's like it's like the Russian tanks. There's T34. There's um, then there's like the SU series, which is like SU85, SU100, SU152, one SU152M, SU100M. You've got um, you've got your IS2. You got your IS3. You got your T26. Uh, there's I think a T28 that existed. Uh, then they've got like uh, they called the Mcha the M4 or they called the M4 the Mcha. Then they they call the Churchill like the T three or something like that. So Russians so, so easy. So so riddle me this: yes. which ones have the big t- biggest titties? Mouse. I need to know this. The mouse. Mouse. It was an experimental German tank that normies like to meme about because it was a big tank with a big gun. Does that mean big titties are a meme? Uh, no, 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 no. What, the, the the bit is in the game the um. The bit is that there's tank-based innuendo, so you've got your ammo racks and ah. your treads, and uh, you can guess which part of what those correspond to. Um, the largest ammo racks would obviously be for the largest caliber weapon put on a tank, which would have been the mouse at the time. Although um, the 105-millimeter <laughs> uh, Stug... Uh, Variant and the um and the uh, SU one hundred and fifty two would probably have the mouse challenged, but those aren't tanks; those are assault guns and anti tank guns, respectively. Oh my god! I'm, I'm looking through some of the <laughs> some of the uh, some of the screenshots from this game. There's a box simple in the game. You can you can spend an evening with uh, with the Churchill tank at the. Uh, Hot Springs. Uh, very. Ooh, I don't. It, I don't know if I want to spend a night with a Churchill. The Churchill. You know I mean, it's yeah. Got a, it's got. It's got some decently sized treads on it. It depends on how you're feeling. Yeah. Ammo racks. Uh, Churchill mounted a 75 millimeter, so about average. Or a six okay. pounder, which is 57 millimeter, but six about, pounder. Jesus. The six pounder. It comes from naval guns. It's actually a 57 millimeter cannon. <laughs> Fun fact. Huh. Because the huh. English were like, all right, we got to name our guns. Okay, you know what uses big guns? The Navy. Everything is named is... after the naval things. <laughs> what are these, Australians? Uh, well, sure, they can be Australians. They can be British. I, I don't know. The bizarre non-American Anglo accent. Yeah, so, uh, so, so everyone screw your optics going in. I just bought it. You did? Yeah. I did. I bought it. I'm going to be playing it. So, screw um, your optics. Yeah, I will say that uh, you should play this game. Um, I, I will say in terms of video games, I'm going to have to go play Danganronpa 2. Or Danganronpa 
too, because a player of mine was like, play Danganronpa 2. You got to do it, Mongoose. You got to do it. And I'm like, fine, I'll do it. I, I don't really actually understand what I'm getting myself into. So, eh. what, 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 the, what the heck is Danganronpa 2? Danganronpa is a series of games like... It's a visual novel where you're a character among a bunch of other people that are trapped in a high school where you have to kill each other or something. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> no, dude, the the Japanese love this kind of the kind of thing where uh, where like they they have they have like cool cute high school girls doing some some like some sort of homicidal activity uh, activity going on. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. They, they, they do that, but another thing that they like to do is the uh, actual just high schoolers killing each other is another common trope in Japanese media. For example, the Fate franchise, so the main character is just a high schooler who gets uh who gets um sort of drafted into a thousand-year-old wizard death match. It's also extremely pornographic. <laughs> you do the visual novel, um, which I didn't do actually. If you watch the anime, they just sort of scrub it. Because see, what happened with Fate Stay Night was it was uh, in a uh, pre-existing visual novel universe for another company, and uh, it was kind of just made as like schlocky porno. And then when they exported it to the U.S., they didn't realize the person who exported it was like, uh, "Yeah, no, I don't know what they they didn't." fully catch the memo that was just supposed to be like a porno so they actually scrubbed all the porn from it and and shipped it into america as if it was just a regular visual novel and and the americans the americans played it and they're like this is amazing the the plot is wonderful so they actually shipped it back to japan and marketed it as like it's a normal thing then it got an anime adaptation and and that's that's kind of how it all kind of got started and now it's it's exceptionally complicated. Uh, I don't even actually understand the fate canology. Um, nobody does, I don't think. Uh, I, don't, um, I don't know anything about this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that into. The, the basic uh, I used premise to be is everybody summons a uh, a historical figure, and some of the historical figures may or may not be cute anime girls, and then they all have to battle battle it out over the Holy Grail, which was going to grant a wish. So, so the wizard was designing spells, and he had he had designed like some sort of uh, some oh, sort of spell to summon to summon some sort of historical figure. The only issue was well, that no, the no, historical no. figure it, it, would would appear as a cute anime girl. No, 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 no. In the Fate universe, King Arthur and Mordred were both cute anime girls. <laughs> they, 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 yes, they're not men. They they were just anime women instead. <sighs> I, I, but Mordred was also born out of a witch. Um, so according to Fate Canon, which is like actually the most confusing thing in the world. Uh, is there a wikia for this? There is, but it's more confusing than it is not. There has to be a wiki for for this canon. If if there is there, a canon, there, there is there is a Nasu verse wiki. Through. Wait 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 no no. There is a Nasu verse wiki. Which is like the uh, the overarching because fate isn't the only thing in this sort of universe setting thing. There's also a bunch of other stuff like Melty Blood and Tsukihime. Um, uh, and uh, in, in in this setting, everything is just extremely uh, um, complicated. And in this. Uh, in this setting, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that the premise of summoning historical figures to have a have a death match 
is probably like the coolest thing ever, and that would make for an excellent role playing game campaign. I mean, just think about it, because they, they, they do things like they summon like Alexander the Great and Gilgamesh and stuff. Think about all the cool people that existed that you could summon, like uh, Hugh Glass, Andrew Jackson. I don't know. Possibilities are endless. And all of them are cute anime girls? Some of them are. Uh, Alexander the Great was not a cute anime girl. He was a really big red-haired man with copper skin who, uh, uh, who basically got summoned by this nerd, and he helped the nerd become a chad. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. It's kind of like Roscoe Jones and the portion of his fan base that listens to uh, uh, <laughs> political science theater 40k. He's 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 slowly turning them all into chads. Yeah, he basically yeah. like takes this nerd and he turns him into a chad. Uh, Gilgamesh. He's is, doing he's doing God's work. Yeah, Gilgamesh uh, has arguably in in one of the animes one of the greatest quotes of all time, which is just like I'm going to make you eat so much dirt you're going to look pregnant. It's just entertaining. As a, as, as just a as just a statement don't, of don't, of my martial sh- dominance over you. Don't show that to me. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no. geez, this has been a uh, this is and I haven't even started drinking for the evening yet. This has been a uh, this has been a wild ride. Yeah, I know. We 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 uh, we started recording in the evening, and I and I helped myself to a little bit of a. A little bit, little bit of uh, uh, brandy and cider tonight. So, yeah, no. So, basically, long story short, we've got some, uh, we've got some pretty. Uh, basically, I I want to play a fate game, but I want to play it with people that don't do fate. And the other thing that would be very fun would basically be like you randomly get your dude assigned, your historical figure. So everyone suggests people, and I'll put them all in a bag, and then you pick the class you want. Uh, hmm. And you have to fight every... Because in Fate, there are classes of heroes. There's like Saber, Lancer, Archer, Rider, you think uh, You think assassin. we could use the maid system for that? I Maid would probably work, actually, for it. Um, another system that would work really well would be Fate. The system, not not the actual anime. These two things are actually oh, yeah, entirely yeah. unrelated. Yeah. Or, or a very simple yeah, quarter-based system where you flip a quarter, and if it's a heads, it's yes. If it's tails, it's no. World's greatest role-playing game right there. Hey, if it works, it works. I, the less rules you have, the better role-players you got, better, more fun the game's going to be, in my opinion. But no, that would be yeah, you a just, very... You just, have to, you just have to make sure that... Uh, that you don't allow anyone to to develop their their uh, magical realm within your realm the, because the, otherwise the, it the gets thing very about fate weird. is that fate entirely exists within the magical realm like five or six of them one of them is so it's like, actually a literal magical realm like the game the, the entire like premise of it is that it's magical and it's a realm um, so, so it's like it's like dosing yourself with low level uh, snake poison in order to combat like you know the really dangerous snake poison it's like shooting yourself in the uh, in the foot with 22 caliber bullets until you build up a resistance and you can start taking three oh eights to the chest <laughs> um i yeah let's let's do that let's shoot ourselves in the foot <laughs> that great episode title let's shoot ourselves in the foot i think we, we got it <laughs> um no, but basically, uh, that's a game I want to play, and I've always wanted to play is the Fate game. Um, maybe after I'm done with my current campaign, I'll force my uh, players into accepting um, playing this game. 
Yeah. I mean, it would be a lot of fun uh, just sort of like, oh, who'd you draw? Oh, I got Julia Sevilla. Who'd you draw? Oh, um, uh, I got, um, I don't know. Ima- imagine who, like, who would the lamest person to draw for fate be out of historical figures? George W. Bush. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I got John McCain. <laughs> I got John McCain. <laughs> oh, who'd you get? Oh, I got, um, I got Saber, and my Saber was, um, the, the Saber I drew was, uh, oh, jeez, who would be, like, a good Saber that we would all kind of know about? Oh, I got Ernest Junger, because his Saber's always kind of like a soldier or a fighter. Oh, who'd you get? I got Ryder. Who was your writer? John McCain. <laughs> Oh, jeez, my oh. friends! Ouch! Just, <laughs> just destroyed. That that would be actually kind of funny. Um, the other thing about fate is the premise is that the person is coming back because they have some wish they want to fulfill as well, right? Yeah. So I can imagine because like they want the Holy Grail as well to fulfill a wish. So like you you like what would Ernest Junger's wish be? Oh, he wants to go back to fight in the war. Oh, what is what is McCain's wish? He wants to screw over the American populace one last time, one final ride. <laughs> oh God, I must I must chew the goyim one more time, my oof, friend. That's a, that's a little uh, ooh ooh. Let's just say uh, is this one of those? Are you one of them uh, evil people I keep hearing about? <laughs> No, no, this is this is not an anti-Semitic podcast. We are a absolutely not Semitic, philo-Semitism uh, gang right here. That's right, that's right. I love. The we Jews. wouldn't be talking about summoning John McCain in your anime battle if John McCain was not. If we didn't think he was cool, <laughs> or or we didn't think that you could make him cool. I mean, it's not actually hard to make like an old dude that's a fighter pilot cool. Although I, I don't know if it would be John McCain would actually be possible. But yeah, no, that's um, that's fate in terms of like what you would want to play, I guess. Mm, how how do you how would you how would you like to play, or what would what would your ideal game be like to run? That's close my to my ideal, ideal I have, game. Yeah. Oh wait, are you asking me? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I that, I've got a couple ideal games, and that's one of them. But like, if you could get your players to agree to play anything, what would you play? Oh man, probably probably something uh, from the Dark Heresy uh, D one hundred realm. I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be Dark Heresy. Okay, so you're a systems that... guy, huh? You're a systems guy, less a concept guy. Well, and that's that's the thing. It's like, uh, I mean, I haven't, I honestly have not played a, a 40k RPG in a while. So, like, I'd like to do something like that, uh, but I don't know. I I I tend to really like sci- uh, sci-fi over fantasy, even though I play a lot of fantasy fantasy games, both video games and RPGs. So probably probably something a little more sleek and a little bit more uh, futuristic or even or even a little bit more apocalyptic than uh, than 40k if you can believe it there was this one uh, there was this one TG uh, setting that was really cool called uh, uh, it was something like Dungeon Divers or something like that, but it was kind of a shadow runny type game without the magic and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it 
dealt with a lot of nanobots bots and things like that. There were classes that were built for it and everything. I'll see if I can find it for next week. But, uh, but yeah, something like that. What about you? I, I kind of went over that. I'd like to play the Fate game. Or I, another thing I'd like to do would be a, a Kami Air Force game where everybody's flying a Sukhoi, shooting missiles, yelling at each other in Russian. Mm. That's always fun. I like I like uh, I like military games and I like military airplane games a lot. But nobody wants to sit down and play Mongoose's epic uh, fighting simulator or flight simulator. But there's it's not on a computer. <laughs> Flights a flight simulator RPG. You know what would be really cool is if you took one of those RPG games where you're playing like a like a crew of a submarine or a spaceship and modified it for like a bomber. Um. Actually, there aren't really any good submarine crew games. I actually had to write my own system to do spaceships once, effectively. Cause really? Most spaceship games treat spaceships like they're just physical ships, but spaceships work more like submarines. Right. There well, aren't yeah, a whole lot was, of good submarine games, though. That was that was what was cool uh, with uh, the original TOS Star Trek, right? They, they treated it very much so like a submarine, especially the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, was pretty good. Not gonna lie, I'm not a very, uh, not a very big, uh, not a very big uh, guy in terms of, uh, in terms of running, um, running Star Trek games. And I, honestly, for you, if it's not themed like a, uh, like a, like a fantasy thing, I don't really like sci-fi all that much either. But I also don't really like high fantasy too much, but I also don't really like low fantasy. Well, what, what do you like? I like my Office. own sort of homebrews, really. Uh, <laughs> I don't really want to play like generic D&D out of the box. It just always kind of bores me. But I also don't want to play your, um, your special homebrew D&D oftentimes, because a lot of the D&D homebrews that are made nowadays are just... I think the, the, the technical term would be actual garbage. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that because I think I'm good. Uh, let me just, I, I have a, I have a example here. It's kind of indicative of these, uh, these games. Um, let me see if I can just pull it up. I've got it on my phone here. I'm going to just read it. I hate, exp- this is from Tumblr. I screenshotted it myself or no, I didn't screenshot it myself. I found it on somewhere else. But I, I do go to Tumblr to check out what they're saying about D&D occasionally because I want to know what the zeitgeist is and what I can expect out of random players. But I, here's, I hate explaining my homebrew to people sometimes. They come to play and already have this idea of a character they want to play. I have to break it to them, that's not dot 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 my game. I do that occasionally too, but it's oftentimes like because you want to play a special snowflake tieflings, and as we've already discussed, I ban tieflings and roams out of hand. Um... Uh, so then they say, listen, there's a reason I have certain races based on certain real cultures. I can guarantee you this person doesn't do that. They have certain races based on their sort of cartoony view of what certain real cultures are like, based on what they saw on a documentary one time or what they, or basically their idea of what the culture's aesthetics are, plus their sort of, um, uh, modern neoliberal worldview projected onto the culture. Yeah, I've. Yeah, I've I've noticed that. It gets especially worse. with our. Oh, go ahead. It gets worse. I'm sorry you can't have a white elf. My story doesn't allow that. Um. Yeah, but if you showed up and said you wanted to play a black elf in my game, and I was like, I'm sorry you can't do that. I, I think we would have a little bit of a problem, Bucko. Uh, just continuing. 
Oh, is this is this a game set into the future? That's why white people don't exist. Is yeah, that probably. is that what they're trying uh, to imply? Face it, Blormf Ken, you're you're um Blormf Kid Ken or something. I don't know. You you you. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I, I just know that this is just uh just a train wreck. Other times, I just don't like certain things that they have in the book. Yeah, I don't like certain things they have in the book either, but I think you like a lot more of the book than I do because you like the book. I don't. Evil orcs, gone. They're peace-loving nodemans now. Tieflings only being read. There's nothing in the book that specifies tieflings only have to be read, I'm fairly certain. Um, wrong. They can and will be any color I want. Now, what I'm saying is, Nicole... You know, what I'm saying is, Nicole, is no, your character can't be straight. We don't have straight people in this world. I'm not sorry. Ugh. Which actually begs the question, how do they reproduce? You know, we were talking about, um, oh, geez, how do you, uh, uh, where do they eat? What are their tax policy? I think actually reproduction is a more salient question. Yeah. I remember when, uh, uh, when the old Republic video game, a little bit of a, an aside, one of their first uh, expansions was an entire planet populated by gay people. Very weird. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I don't know if sci-fi if sci-fi Francisco is where I want to go. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious what the, what is their tax policy? <laughs> yeah, how do they? Do they just clone themselves? Do they do they just clone themselves? What, what's their tax policy? Do they do they just kill the little Sith in their in their cribs, or uh, or do they try to rehabilitate their 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 Sith population? Hmm. I don't oh. know. I don't know. But I do know that whatever this person's homebrew is, it's probably just garbage. Yeah. Um, if you're sitting down and like how do I make everything gay? You're probably focusing a little less on how to make everything interesting. Um, actually I've seen more interesting things come out of the question of how do I make everything a waifu than how do I make everything uh, gay? Um, case in point, uh, our beloved conversation topic that we shan't, we shan't message mention here lest we, uh, lest we curse the, uh, the title card for this episode yet again. um, <laughs> But yeah, no, uh, the, the, whoever this person is, uh, you are a, you are a grade A imbecile and should reconsider your game. You'd be better off playing stock out of the book than you would, uh, not in that case. That's saying something because I despise stock D and D more than I despise probably anything else in the entire world. Well, how about, uh, what, how about, uh, games developed on Tumblr? Oof. Uh... Mm, mm. This is, again, I was talking about gatekeeping. This is why you gatekeep your game, people. Mm-hmm. This right here. It starts with the tiefling, man. It, starts it with really hey, does, I though. I mean, like, if you, if you didn't have this entire section of the entire game that was just sort of catering to the Invader Zim Deadpool fan base, Chops at Hot Topic, you might have a little bit less of these problems. <laughs> Beware the Penguin of Doom. The Penguin of Doom. You got a lot of NPCs playing PCs. I'm going to repeat it again because it's a good take. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, 
stay safe, everybody. Uh, don't do not play. If 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 someone with a lot of dyed hair invites you to play a game with them and they start talking to you about their, if they start talking about their super cool tiefling race or their super cool made up custom race, you're sometimes no game is better than a game. True that. And uh, as always, if you need a game, you can always play one on the internet over Skype with people, like I'm going to do this evening. And if you need people to play the game with, uh, hopefully one day we'll have a sizable enough audience to the point where we can suggest you some buddies. But right now, uh, I think I have interacted with only like two or three listeners, and most of them are just bantering me about my uh, my laugh or um, bantering us about our chosen content. So, with all that out of the way, I think we've just kind of had a another week of just ramble content, which is fairly good. I think this is some of our better content, although I do think last week's episode was was better. So, with that out of the way, um, I think it's about time to call it a uh, call it a day. You agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, this has been uh, Little Wars with uh, Jack and Goose. So uh, we'll be seeing you. Uh, We'll be seeing you um, when we see you, uh, hopefully soon. See ya. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you.
Thank you.